tonight I'm going to I'm going to teach out of a lot of scriptures. Uh, I spent a lot of time uh, the last few days looking up different things and reading different things. <clears throat> and the, we're going to start tonight in First Peter. Chapter 1, verse 22 is where we're going to start. 1 Peter 1, 22. It says, Seeing you have purified your souls and obeying the truth through the Spirit unto unframed love of the brethren, See that you love one another with a pure heart fervently. Now you read that, but let me tell you, if you meditate on that a few minutes, that's a mouthful. That's not just a verse that you read. I mean, when I sit down and I literally take the Word of God apart word by word, think about seeing that you have purified your souls. Purified your souls. Let me ask you a question. I don't think we know what purification means. If I were to take a bottle of this water up here tonight, and this is supposedly pure water. Pure water. They've run it through a purification plant. It's as pure as as they can make it. Then they energize it and everything else so it will really be good for us. Well, let's just say the vat they were purifying that water in was, maybe it was a 100-gallon vat, you know. That's a lot of water, 100 gallons. And I were to tell you that in one of these vats that I walked by and I dropped a little tablespoon full of pure arsenic in just one of those vats. Now, how many of y'all going to drink that water? Well, the thing about it is, the water is no longer pure. I mean, when you look at it, it still looks pure. And it may not really be enough arsenic to hurt anybody. That tiny little bit in that large amount of water probably wouldn't hurt nobody. But how many of you would drink that water if you knew, if I told you? I mean, you know, it's something nobody tells you you don't know. But, you know, if you get told then you know it's no longer pure. So you're definitely not going to drink it if it's not pure. Well, pure means pure. It means perfect. And the Lord says here, seeing that you have purified your souls in obeying the truth through the Spirit unto unframed love of the brethren. Unframed love of the brethren. There's not a person in this room, including myself, that does that. You know, not a single one of us. We read these scriptures and we don't believe these scriptures. I mean, you can get mad at your brother in Christ. Some of you in here, before we get through tonight, we're going to talk about husbands and wives, too. Some of you in here get mad at your wife or your husband over some little insignificant something. <laughs> Cheryl, she's looking at me and says, oh. <laughs> in fact, I might say right here this afternoon, 
she told me, she said, 4.15, when I come out here, I'm going to set my alarm at 4.15, you got to get ready, you got to get down off of this building, off of this steel, and get over and get you a shower, we got to be ready to leave here at 4.30. Well, at 4.15, when she come out and open the door, i got a 300-pound steel beam laying in a cradle, and I'm just fixing to weld it. And you guys that have been engineers or worked on you don't just walk off and leave a 300-pound beam setting up there without anchoring it. You know, who knows what might happen? Somebody cut my, I told her, okay, I'll leave. I'll, I'll get ready. But it took me five more minutes to tack weld that thing in place real good, or it's going to be there. And then five minutes after, I'm only five minutes, and then I get out, and I come down, and I run to the house. Dave, in his graciousness, he said, no problem, Thurman, I'll put up all the equipment. I know you got to hurry. So he was very gracious to me to say he had put up everything. So I ran to the house as hard as I could run. And my own son standing out on the front porch with these new babies and everything said, Dad, I said, son, I ain't got time to talk to you now. I'm in a big hurry. So I didn't even talk to him. I ran on in the house, took a shower as quick as I could and got ready and shaved and you know, done everything you got to do. Combed your hair and everything. Running over to the ministry center and I got over there and I was 10 minutes past 4.30. And then my hubby, my honey bunny, she called the place where we were going to go, and there was no answer. And she was a little upset with me. She said, they're probably already closed. So she said, it's now 10 minutes to 5. I said, what are you going to do? She said, you can go do anything you want to do, because we don't have to leave here to go to church till 5. So I said, okay. She said, you know you're just about this far from me taking you to the throne of grace. You know what that means, guys? <laughs> Is that what you said, Eddie? She said, you're just about this far from me taking you to the throne of grace. <laughs> See, I don't care who you are, you can be the pastor and his wife and you still have these problems on a day-by-day basis. That's why I'm saying, of course, I do the same thing to her once in a while. Now, I know none of y'all out there ever had these problems but me and Cheryl. You know, so I know that's not true. I know every one of you have these kind of problems with your mate, with the people you work with every day. But just think what the Lord says here. Seeing that you have purified your souls. Have you purified yourself? I think I've got some work to do. David's got his head down with a little, not quite, so he's thinking maybe he might have a little bit there too. You think we're human beings. Donna's even shaking her head over here too. He said, wow, it's confession time. Some of us are confessing. Some of us said, no, no, I'm okay. (laughs) Okay, I hope you are. But it's it's a tough thing to do what this word says. Purify your souls in obeying the truth through the Spirit. Now, except you yield yourself to the Spirit, you can't do it in the flesh. Only if you yield yourself by the Spirit unto unframed love of the brethren. That means we should never get technically upset with the brethren. I mean, so if I'm late or you're late or whatever, or, you know, if I... uh, I missed one healing school of my whole life. One Saturday morning, I went out to pour uh, 20 yards of concrete at 8 o'clock in the morning, and the healing school didn't start till 1. I thought, this will be a piece of cake. I'll run out here. I'll get this concrete poured and everything. And I went out there at 8 o'clock, and the first truck come, and I told him to pull around where I wanted to, and it had been raining like crazy, and I thought the rain had dried up enough but when we went around the edge of the building with 10 yards of concrete on our truck, the rear duels of that truck disappeared out of sight. 
Now then, there is no way we can get that truck out of there. And I had to unload that truck, that entire truck of cement into a little quarter yard front end loader and haul it over and dump it over the farms and we had to pull it and it took me till 5 o'clock that afternoon to pour 20 yards of concrete. I missed a healing school totally, completely. I thought, uh, the people that came, I wasn't there and some of them called me and said, you know, we love you anyway. We drove a long way to come to your healing school, but we love you anyway. We'll be at the next month. I thought, no, these are brothers that have purified their souls with this unfeigned love. Nobody called me and chewed me out. I said, isn't that amazing? Well, see, they had no idea what I was going through. No idea. That was one of the hardest days of my life that I had ever put in. I mean, my son was out there helping me. His wife was out there helping me. And right near the end of the day. I mean, the concrete was so setting up as we, I was beating this thing with a jitterbug, a manual jitterbug. I was beating this thing so I could float it. And I'm walking on top of concrete. It's almost as hard as it is right here. And I, I don't have it finished. And I said, we're not going to make it. We're going to lose this yet. And my son said, Dad, you're supposed to be the man of faith. I said, okay, we're not going to lose it. It's going to stay well enough for me to float it. And I totally changed. And it was. And we saved the slab. But uh, it had to be God's grace that uh, there's no concrete slab I've ever poured with concrete that hot that I managed to make it like I did with that one. So it had to be the grace of God that helped me to do that. But, you know, you can get out of a love relationship real easy like that. But I stayed in love all day. I mean, it's amazing. I, I could tell you all the problems I had that day. It was just amazing how the enemy came against me. But the Lord says, if you will purify your soul and by the Spirit of God, <clears throat> this unframed love of the brethren. Now, this is not your mate I'm talking about. This is just a brethren. Of course, now your mate is your brethren, right? Because we're all one in Christ. But how many of us walk in this kind of love with our brothers on a day-by-day basis? And then let me ask you the second question. How many of you walk in that kind of love with your mate on a day-by-day basis? That's not, this is a big problem in a church. A big problem. You know, a lot of women come to me and say, Thurman, I want you to pray for me a mate. Okay. I pray for them a mate. And six months later or a year later, God sends them what they think is the perfect mate. And they bring him to me. We talk and everything. And they think, they get me off to the side and say, this is him. He's the perfect one. And I said, well, I'm not too sure. I'm not too sure. I see some flaws that you may not see. Oh, he's perfect. And they marry him. And three months later, they come to me and say, my goodness, Thurman, this is the worst man I've ever seen in my life. He don't do nothing right. Now then, this man they couldn't live without, they wish they had never married him. See, he was perfect. But you know, this love, that's the problem. We don't walk in this kind of love. It's difficult. And God's telling us to do this to our brother. I'm supposed to treat Brother David like that with an unframed love. In all things, all the time. How many of us are willing to do that? Hard. It's a hard. But what about our mate? That's even supposed to be more so. You know, I mean, they're not only your brethren, 
They're your mate, you know, and we're not willing to walk in that, you know. Oh, yeah. Don't you, yeah, you, you done something wrong last week. Don't you dare, I, okay, I'll forgive you, but don't you do that again, woman. I'll, I'll kick you out of the house. I'll divorce you if you do that one more time. Oh, boy, are we walking in the God kind of love. I mean, I'm serious. I deal with Christians day by day that live here. You know, that live here. And look what the Lord says. Seeing you have purified yourself. Well, lots of people don't purify themselves. They don't do that. But if you have purified your souls in obeying the truth through the Spirit, under this unfeigned love of the brethren, see that you love one another with a pure heart fervently. Not just flippantly. Fervently. Love each other. This is what the church is supposed to be made up of, of a group of people that walk in the God kind of love. That's, that's what we're supposed to be living. And then verse 22 or 23 says, Being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible seed, by the word of God which liveth and abideth forever. Now, all flesh is as grass. And let me tell you, all you got to do, you, all you have to do is go to a few hospitals with Cheryl and I. And you may see somebody that was in this church service last week. Or you may see somebody that walked in here that was beautiful, healthy, intelligent, and just blowing and going. And they're young and vibrant and everything. And the next day somebody called and they've been in a car truck accident down here. And their body's down there in the hospital tore all to pieces. Still alive, but tore all to pieces. The flesh. It can be alive one second. And dead the next. And we fail to remember that. I mean, we treat each other like, man, well, it's okay. If I get upset with you, you know, no problem. But then when you go with us a few times to some of these hospitals and see these people, you know, and you think, like I, she, she and I was talking about this, you know, we just we went and visited a lady that has come to this church many times that was healed of a brain tumor years ago, uh, that miraculously God did something but she just had a real problem. And I'm telling you, we went to the hospital and walked in there. And there's this beautiful woman, 50 years old. I mean 50. How many of y'all know 50 is not very old? Yeah, that's not very old. <clears throat> and here, here this woman was laying there with tubes in her nose and her throat and everything. And every kind of machine, I guess they have, plugged into her. And she's... Not totally out of it. She she don't know nothing. She don't know nothing. And I think they have sedated her so heavily with so much stuff that it even caused her breathing to fail. So they have to be pumping her lungs with the sedation they got in her because it's the way they got her sedated. She can't even breathe. It's amazing. What, honey? It was an induced coma. Yeah, yeah, and an induced coma. They put her in an induced coma because she went into a seizure. And they couldn't break the seizure, so they just put her into an induced coma. Now then, what are they going to do? I'm telling you, it's something to see what can happen to the flesh. You know, a beautiful woman 
50 years old. Been to this church many times, and there she lay. And we walked out thinking, I told her, I said, honey, ain't nothing worth nothing. I said, we got our health. You know, we're able to stand up, and we've got each other. I said, ain't nothing. You know, nothing fits nothing. You know, just, you just, I mean, sometimes it takes those kind of things, you know, to shock you into reality. You know, I told her about a person that I knew one time that was really mean to his wife. Beat her a couple of times. She, I saw her when she had bruises on her face and everything. I thought how awful it was that her husband had beat her like that. And then it wasn't long. They were only married like five years or something like that. And she was killed in a car wreck as a young woman. Young woman. In her early 20s. Killed in a car wreck. And she was a beautiful young girl. And I'll never forget. I went to that funeral. And I'll never forget that young man. Screaming. He knew me real well. He came over and put his arms around my shoulder. And he said, oh God. Thurman, if I'd have only known I was going to have her such a short period of time, I'd have been better to her. I thought, boy, is there a message in that? Is there a message in that? How many years do you know that you've got? How many days do you know that you have left? You don't even know if you've got another second left, do you? You know, none of us knows whether we got another heartbeat left. And we go around looking for things, doing things like, hey, I'm going to live forever. I'd kick you out. No problem. I'd do you what I want. I'd be mean as I want to to you. You don't treat me right, so i just kick you out. That's not hardly the God kind of love to a brother, is it, David? No. We're supposed to love each other. He says here, For all flesh is as grass, and all the glory of man as the flower of grass. Do you know that some of the most powerful men that's ever lived on this earth that built empires... Nobody ever even knew they existed today. Isn't that amazing? And I'll tell you what's even more amazing to some of the men of God, like John Lake and Smith Wigglesworth and A.A. Allen and men like that. Do you know most of the church never heard of those people? But yet those men walked in power with God raised the dead, healed the sick, cleansed the lepers, and did all kinds of things. And some of them by the hundreds and by the thousands. And most of the church don't even know who those generals of God were. They walked into God kind of love. I'll tell you for sure. But the church don't know who they are. But just the normal men that are out here working. You build your empire. you know, And you're here today and gone tomorrow. Nobody remembers you. And when I heard that story... I, uh, Howard Pittman told us when he had his death experience in 1979 that when he went to heaven on the highway to heaven and it's written in, in Isaiah about the highway to heaven he said that in the number of people that was on that highway that in, the, in the period of time that the Lord from the time he had died till he was where he was 15 minutes had elapsed on earth and the Lord told him 2,000 people had died in that 15 minutes. And only 50 of them went to heaven. 1,950 of them went the wrong way. Is that mind-boggling? Yeah, that's mind-boggling to think of the people because you and I have not walked in this kind of love. How many people have you ever heard say, oh, Thurman, 
He's a Christian. Well, if that's, he, that guy's a Christian, I'd just soon not be one. I ain't going down to that church with that bunch of hypocrites. I mean, that bunch of hypocrites, I see people in church I, that's sleeping with somebody out of wedlock. I see somebody in church that's stealing on a car deal. I see somebody in church that's down at the racetrack gambling. So if they're going to live like that, why do I need to go to church? And those people that are doing that are not walking in any kind of God kind of love or power. So you don't know. I mean, this, somebody said, can you prove to me that God lives? Have you ever had a prayer answered? Those people have to say, no. Well, if God's really real, when's the last time you raised somebody from the dead? When's the last time you laid hands on somebody and they got instantly healed? Most people were like I was most of my life. That never happened. Oh, when's the last time you laid hands on your wife and prayed for her and she was instantly healed? Most people, that never happened in a family. You know why? Because that man and woman is not walking in that God kind of love. And who knows all that? God does. Who is the instrument that answers our prayer? God is. See, He knows your heart. So, He tells us what to do here. He says, The grass withers and the flower thereof falleth away, but the word of the Lord endureth forever. And this is the word which by the gospel is preached unto you. So tonight, I'm going to preach it to you right out of the book. And I'm going to use nearly Scripture in everything that I do. Verse 1 of the next chapter, 2. Wherefore, lay aside a little bit of your malice. Oh, it didn't read like that? How much malice are you supposed to lay aside? We must not read it like that. Because we don't do that. Do we? Do you know a Christian that lives there? Whereby, wherefore, laying aside all malice and all guile, all deceit. The only way most Christians can do what that says is you put at least three layers of two-inch duct tape around your head right over your mouth where you can't talk. Is that true? Isn't that a shame? That's where we live. That's where we're not supposed to live. He says, laying aside all malice and all guile and all hypocrisies and envies and all evil speaking. I mean, this is the Word of God we're reading tonight. This is, I mean, the Lord put this together and He didn't put this in here just to tie the book together. This is in here for you and I to do what He says. We agree with that? If the king said it, now, you know, i got to do the same thing. i got to walk in this same kind of love. You know, but he holds all of us accountable. And if we're obedient and we walk in this God kind of love, then he answers our prayers. If we don't walk in it, he don't answer our prayers. And that's why so many of us don't get our prayers answered. And I know that's why I didn't get mine answered for a lot of years, because I didn't know that he meant exactly what he said in everything he said, and that he holds me accountable for everything written in this book. It's tough to walk where this book says. Isn't it, John? You'll agree with me there, right? It's tough. I don't care who you are. It is very tough to walk where God tells us to walk. But he tells us what to do. And then he says, after he says, lay aside all evil speaking... As newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word, 
that you may go thereby. If so be, you have tasted that the Lord is gracious. I mean, He is gracious. When you start doing what He says, and you'll taste a little bit of that milk. And when you get a little bit of that milk, wow, just a little of it. And you start being obedient, and you start praying in faith, and you see God start answering your prayers. Then you want to get, you really want to do what He says. My goal, as I've seen God do the mighty things I've seen Him do when I pray for people, I mean, I want, it is a constant battle 24-7 to walk in the God kind of love. But I want to walk there because I love to see Him answer my prayer. I love it. I mean, even today, my honey bunny, she comes to me, she's really forceful with me. She said, you got to do something. I said, what's this? She said, this thing in the bottom of my nose is still there. And she said, you got to pray and get that thing off. I grabbed her by the shoulders and pulled up and looked real close. I said, honey, it's not as bad as it was a couple of days ago. So I said, be patient. But I want it to go on now. Well, when, when a woman gets a little zit on her face... Donna, does she want it gone now? Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, and so who's supposed to be able to get that gone? Her husband is supposed to stand in faith, and he's supposed to be walking holy and perfect. So when he prays for her, it goes away. <laughs> and see? And if it don't right then, then she says, you got to do something. Now see? See, this is a battle that goes on in the home between a man and a wife. When she learns, she's supposed to be submissive to her husband. And the Word of God says that. So when she needs an answer, and when she gets a little zit on her face or under her nose, whatever it is, she don't want that thing there. She knows I'm supposed to be able to get that off. I'm supposed to be able to be walking, holding up before the king. When she comes and says, honey, you see this? Pray. And I reach over and touch it and say, in the name of Jesus, and it goes away. That She loves that. And that's the way it's supposed to be. What's happening? Are you not Something's wrong. I, I, it is going away. So maybe I'm not walking as holy as I need to. But it is going away. Thank you, Jesus. That it is going away. He says, he says, do what? Yeah, well, you know. But it's my patience that's the problem. Yeah, that's it. Uh, she only acknowledged. See, the Lord says, after you pray, you have need of patience. Now, my honey bunny's patience, especially when it's something on her face, kind of like microwave stuff, you know, I want it now. I don't want it tomorrow. I want it now. So that's what I told her today. I said, honey, be patient. You have need of patience that after you've done the will of God, you can receive your promise. She said, but I want it now. <laughs> so, it's something, <laughs> excuse me, something I can't do with God. I can't force Him to do anything. All I can do is pray in faith and trust Him. And then if He takes a little bit of extra time and she's on my case, get this thing off of me in the name of Jesus. I said, Lord, I'm doing everything I can to walk in love. Lord, please, Lord, take this thing off so my honey will be happy with me again. <laughs> she's not that happy with God. She's not happy with me. Because you realize I'm supposed to be the spiritual leader. I'm supposed to be walking holy. I'm supposed to be able to be the one that has the direct line to the king. That when she comes to me, submitting it to me in all things, when I pray, she's supposed to get healed. And that she knows that. And so that is that, that relationship 
between she and I and the king. And when we come to him in that love relationship, many a time now, he has, when I've touched her or prayed over her, laid hands on her, she's seen the Lord do so many miracles instantaneously. She's getting this logic now where he ought to do all of them instantaneously. (laughs) And she loves these miracles when I lay hands on her and pray for her. But when he takes a day or two for it to happen, then she's not happy. She wants it right now. So... Unfortunately, he don't do all miracles. He does some healings, and we have to learn to be patient. But when I get out of the love walk, then he don't answer my prayer either. And that's unfortunate, because he is no respecter of persons. But he expects you and me to walk in this God kind of love. Then he says, after we go here, I want to get started there, and then I want to go to Ephesians. We go back over to Ephesians. We're talking about what we're supposed to be doing to the brethren. But now let's go back to Ephesians chapter 5. I I, I mean chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 1. I, therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you that you walk worthy of the vocation wherewith you are called. Now, we're, we as Christians are called to purify ourselves and to walk in this God kind of love. Is that what he said? Okay, so this is the, the vocation that you walk worthy of the vocation wherewith you are called. In other words, as children of the king, we're supposed to be above board. We're not supposed to be normal in nothing. Who's watching us? I mean, not only is the Lord watching us, but the world's watching us. Now, if you ever profess to be a Christian among your brethren or your people out there where you work, they really watch you close. Oh, this guy says he's a Christian? Oh! Then first time you say something evil about somebody, they run right up to you and throw your finger in your face and say, Oh, I thought you was a Christian! And guess who, living in them, the devil, that knows the word of God, and he'll call that out, and he will condemn you and put you on the spot, and he will do it in front of people. It's amazing how this works. Once you acknowledge, I'm a born-again Christian, then the devil will say, oh, okay, if you're a born-again Christian, you're not supposed to be a hypocrite. You're supposed to love your brethren. Why aren't you doing that? Oh, and the first time you say something or something sharp, somebody will call you. And they're probably not Christians. But they'll know. They have read the book and they'll put you to the test. And then you'll walk off. Say, well, I really blew it today. I really blew it today. Well, if we will purify ourselves and walk in this God kind of love and do what the Lord says, not only will he answer our prayer every time, But then when we do pray for people in the workplace and God shows up to do these mighty miracles that only he can do when you pray the prayer of faith, I'm telling you, it turns people's heads. You know, I think of the privilege of some of the people. I mean, I think about when I went to work at SkyShift as a head engineer there. And I even called my leads. I had three leads there. And I called those three leads in and just told them, I said, I want to start 
every work group meeting with a prayer. Now, I want you guys, as the cream of the crop, to be with me. I said, first of all, are you Christians? And one of them said, well, I'm a Lutheran. And I said, do you go to church? Well, sometimes. Well, that tells me where he's at. And then each one, you know, uh, well, Dominic, yeah, I go to church, but, uh, you know, I'm a Catholic. And, well, I go to Mass every Sunday, you know, when I can. And, 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 and you, well, let me ask you a question. Do you guys read the Bible? Oh, no, 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 we don't, have, we don't read the Bible. We don't have time. <clears throat> Do you ever pray over stuff here at work? No, Thurman, when we go to church, the preacher prays, you know, or somebody else prays. We don't pray. I said, you guys ever seen God answer a prayer? What? You ever seen a miracle? Thurman, come on, give us a break. God don't do that kind of stuff no more. Oh, yes, he does. When you do what he says, he does. And they think you're crazy. But then the first time that you lay hands on somebody in the cafeteria and see a woman instantly healed of everything she's got, it totally changes the way everybody thinks. Now then, what is the difference? Walking in God's way of doing business. Not being ashamed of the king. Walking in the God kind of love. And God still answers prayer. And he does miracles. I'm telling you, I've seen him do hundreds of them. And some awesome ones. And a few years later, when I had two executives from one of the corporations come out to look at a big piece of equipment to give me a bid on fixing this thing, these guys are sitting there in my office. We talk about the equipment. And after we do, then I say, are you guys Christians? And they kind of look at me and look at each other and, well... Uh, yeah. I said, well, do you go to church? One of them said, well, I go to a Presbyterian church. And the other one said, well, I go to a Lutheran church. And I said, well, but do you go? Well, yeah, pretty regular. <clears throat> and this lead walked in the office and asked me about something. And he said, oh, by the way, Thurman, we're going to do something. We need to pray over something back here. I said, oh, okay, no problem. So I stopped right there in the presence and prayed a prayer. And he turned to walk out and I said, Oh, by the way, do y'all do this where you work, your employees? Do y'all do that? He says, no. I said, oh, so you don't ever see any miracles, do you? They said, miracles? No. And Dan looks up and said, well, don't feel bad when he came here. I thought he was crazy, too. But he said, now that miracles is a normal way of life here for us. We see God answer prayer all the time. Now, isn't that wonderful? See, now when you do things God way and you... Purify yourself and walk holy before Him and not ashamed of Him. And just think, if we could really purify ourselves and really walk in that love 100%, what would He do for us? <laughs> it would almost meet the criteria that most people see Him do some little things when they say, this is unbelievable. No, it's not unbelievable. With God, nothing's difficult. But, He says here, Therefore, I, therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you that you walk worthy of the vocation wherewith you are called, with all lowliness and meekness, with long-suffering, forbearing one another in love. Lowliness and meekness? I mean, that's not the way in the business world. You want to be powerful in somebody. And you want everybody to know who you are. You want to be in control. You want to say, look what I've done. Look who I am. Look at the power I have. 
Look at the duds I wear. Got this suit at whatever. Only cost me five grand. That's the business world. People want to be known by their power and not by their lowliness and their meekness to walk in God's power. But this is what the Word says. With all lowliness and meekness, with long-suffering. Long-suffering? Okay, as long as it don't take more than five minutes, I can be long-suffering. But after five minutes, I'm going to read you the right act. Do you all know where I'm coming from? And these are Christians that are doing this. I'll be patient with you as long as you don't mess up. That's not what the Word says, is it? Forbearing one another in love. In love. Endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, even as you are called in one hope of your calling. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is above all and through all, and in you all. He is in every one of us. But unto every one of us is given grace according to the measure of the gift of Christ. We all have a different job to do on this earth. Chapter 5. So be ye therefore followers of God as dear children and walk in hatred. (laughs) That's not what he said, was it? What did he say, Juanita? Walk in what? Walk in love. I mean, you would think that some of us as Christians that we must read that as hatred because some of us really get upset with each other. Walk in love. Oh, and then he's going to describe it for you. As Christ also has loved us. Now just think, when he was on that cross and when he was being beaten for you and me, you know, I used to, I didn't understand when I was a younger Christian. I did not understand what, what was going on. And I remember several times when I'd read this story or hear a preacher preach on this, I'd see Christ on that cross. He'd been beaten and bruised. And the, here's the Pharisees and Sadducees and the Roman soldiers and everything else down there saying, If you're really the Son of God, come down and we'll believe you. I thought, Lord, why don't you just jerk those nails out of there? Reach down and get him by the nap of the neck and pick him up there and say, Look, son, I'm God. See, that's the flesh, wasn't it? Totally the flesh. That's where I lived. I didn't understand the love of God and what He wants to do for us. If He'd have come down off of that cross, you know what? You know where you and I'd be destined for today? Hell. But because He loved you and me, in other words, when you're good, I might do something for you if you're really good. But if you're a mean, wicked person doing something bad to me every time I turn around, and then me do something good for you, give me a break. Ain't nobody going to do that, are they? No, but Jesus did, didn't he? When you and I were that wicked sinner, wicked as we could be, and all of the wickedness and the sin and everything and the stench of the filth that we lived in, he died for you and me. 
so he could reconcile you and me to himself so we didn't have to go to hell. And he went for you and spent three days there, and then he arose again from the dead. And now then, he's the conqueror of death, hell, and the grave. And because of what he done, you and I can come to him, and we can lay everything we've done at his feet, and he'll wash it away and purify you and make you just as if you'd never sinned. And now then, he tells you to go and sin no more. But what do we do? We keep having to come back to the cross. And some of us come back every day. Some of us have to come back three or four times a day and say, God, I messed up again. He said, well, stop messing up. I've given you the power, given you my spirit. Walk in my kind of love. Get in my word. Renew your mind daily with the word. And you won't have to come back up here near so often. That's what he's telling us to do, isn't it? We are supposed to walk in this kind of love one to another as children of God. And walk in love as Christ also has loved us and has given himself for us as an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling savor. But fornication? Oh, the church must not read that. But fornication and all uncleanliness or, or, or covetous, let it not be once named among you as become a saint's. I was talking to a person the other day, and they said, I heard one of your tapes. And I heard you say that if you're not married, the devil will do everything he can to get you in bed with somebody. And so he'll have legal claim to you. But if you get married, he'll do everything he can to get you out of bed with each other. Do you know that's true? Do you know I have ministered to families? I have ministered to men and women that couldn't keep their hands off of each other when they were going together. And, you know, all ages. Teenagers all the way up. And they would get into a sexual relationship with each other out of wedlock because they thought they had to go there. They couldn't stand it not going there. And they may have that sexual relationship for six months or a year or two years or three years. And then one day they decided to get married. And they had a normal sexual relationship, no battles, no nothing. Everything went great. And then they got married. And I have had families that have come to me, some of them in as short a period of time as six months, and some of them as young as 35 years old, the man either became impotent and couldn't have sex, or the wife, something happened, and she it was so hurtful to her that she wouldn't go there with her husband and they stopped having sex at 35 years old. Never had a problem for one, two, three years when they were going together. But what happened when they got married and caused this problem? It was because they didn't listen to the word and they opened the door to a demonic spirit and that demonic spirit attacked that person and either one of them or both of them and then he'll do everything he can to keep them from enjoying the sexual relationship that God gave a man and a woman that's married. Sex is supposed to be wonderful between a man and a woman that's married. It's supposed to be something you enjoy. It's supposed to be something you do regularly. I was ministering with Cheryl the other day with a woman that was having a problem with her husband. This had been within the last six months. 
And I don't know how old this woman was, but I don't know. But anyway, she was very unhappy with her husband, especially with their sexual relationship. And I just asked her the question. Of course, I have to ask these blatant questions, but I don't ask them unless i got my wife in there with me. Cheryl was in there with me, and I said, do you and your wife, do you and your husband have sex very often? She said, well, not really. And I said, well, what is often? Well, she said, we have sex once every month or two. One time every month or two. And she said, don't you think that's normal? I said, no, absolutely not. Under no conditions. That's not normal. I said, have you ever tried praying over your sexual relationship? Oh, yeah. She says, I pray over every time we have, every time we do have sex, I pray. And then I went there. I said, what do you pray? What do you ask God for? She said, so he'll hurry up and get through. She wasn't enjoying her sexual relationship with her husband. You'd be amazed at what you're on now. What the honey? Be amazed at what we go through as pastors with people in the church. Now, these are not people out in the world. These are people in church. Now, I never meet with a woman like that without her in the room with me. I never ask those kind of questions unless she's there. Now, if a woman and her husband's there together and they're having that relationship, if they're both there, I can be in there with them by myself and I can talk to them intimately. But if I just got the woman there and we're going to talk about her husband or about her married life, I ain't going in there with that woman without my wife in there with me. You know, I ain't going there. Because she's a woman, and she understands a lot of things about women that I don't understand. And so she's a real asset to me in those kind of meetings. But now then, that should never be in a relationship like that between a man and a woman that's married, especially Christians. It's amazing what people don't understand about their relationship. You know, whenever a man and a woman that are supposed to love each other. Now, we're not supposed to, we haven't even got to the husband-wife deal yet. We're talking about the brethren. How are you supposed to love one another? With a God kind of love. Like this example that the Lord give us here. And walk in love, in chapter 5 of Ephesians, walk in love as God, as Christ has also loved you. Well, let me tell you, if, if Christ loved you like you love the church, I wouldn't want to have His kind of love. Y'all know where I'm coming from? I don't know many people. In fact, I guess I really don't know anybody that walks in the God kind of love. If I could walk in it, I would be able to get every prayer answered every time. I, can't, I haven't been able to master this thing either yet. I am trying. That is our goal. We're working diligently on this, trying to walk in the God kind of love. And my honey bunny, she loves it when I walk in the God kind of love. Because when I am walking the God kind of love, if she has a need, and I reach over and touch her, and she's instantly healed, she loves that. Especially if she's got a pain or problem, or sometimes she has some real pains, or like the time her face broke out with all those big old webs. I prayed over that, over the telephone, and within an hour, they were all completely gone. She loved that. You know, the other night, as you've heard, when she had the fire in her stomach, her stomach had been hurting her for two days. And when I reached over and just touched her and said, in the name of Jesus, bam, she was instantly asleep in five minutes. That's what she gets used to, see. Then she thinks that's the way it ought to be all the time. 
<laughs> That's the way she wants it all the time. If she ain't nothing wrong with that, is it, honey? If you got a problem, you don't like it, just like I don't. But sometimes it doesn't happen that quick. But the reason it doesn't happen that quick, because we don't walk in that God kind of love. And walk in love. And then he gives you the example, as Christ also has loved us and has given himself for us an offering and a sacrifice of God for a sweet-smelling savor. Let me tell you, this is the way it is with a man and a woman. Especially when the guy's dating the girl. I mean, he'll call her and he'll tell her all these beautiful things. Oh, he said, I love you. Oh, you're the most beautiful thing I've ever seen. Some of you women have heard these kind of stories from these guys. I would do anything for you. I'd climb the tallest mountain for you. I'd swim the most raging river for you. I'd do anything for you. And about that time, she says, well, wow, if you love me like that, then why don't you come over tonight about six and take me out to dinner? He said, well, they said it might rain, and if it does, I won't be able to come. (laughs) Yeah, sure, he really loves you. He said he would do all those things, but when it comes down to the proof, he's not willing to do it. He's not willing to do it. Now, this is the difference in the God kind of love and serving the devil. I'm convinced that more of us in the church serve the devil than we do God. Because we're not walking in this kind of love. We're not doing what the king told us to do. And walk in love, as Christ also has loved us, has given himself for us as a sweet-smelling savor. But fornication and all uncleanness or covenants, let it not be once named among you as becoming saints. Neither filthiness nor foolish joking or jesting, which are not convenient, but rather giving of thanks. Anybody ever had your mate say something derogatory to you? Don't hold up your hand. I don't want to see it. Should a Christian ever make a cutting statement to their mate? No, we should not. Why do we do that? Because we don't walk in the God kind of love. We get over into the flesh. Oh, the flesh can get you. Oh, it can retaliate. I mean, the flesh can really get you. I mean, it's just amazing how the flesh works on us. And here we are, children of the King. We're children of the King. And we look at what God's told us to do here. And verse 5 is a devastating statement. For this you know that no whoremonger, nor unclean person, nor covetous man who is an idolater has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. That's kind of slaps in the face, isn't it? Oh, you mean, Lord, I'm, I am a Christian and... I went to church for a little while and I said I got saved and then I was a 18-year-old and all the wild desires of life came up on me and I got out of church and quit going to church and now I'm living with this girl out of wedlock. And it sure is fun, Lord. I love it. You know, and she loves it. So we're having such fun together, you know, just living out there. God surely wouldn't mind if I do this. 
And you die in that sin. What did you say? Were you going? What a price to pay to live with another person out of wedlock. All I got to say, I don't think it's worth it. Do you? Do you think there's anybody in this world that you could live with that would be good enough for you to spend eternity in hell for? I don't think. Do you, Michael? No. Not for me. No. Absolutely not. But see, we don't read this book very close. Now, what, did he, what, kind of, what are we supposed to walk in? Love? If we walk in love? Just think, the king says, if you walk in love, then your faith will work. And he says, you can come and ask me for what? Anything. I like that, don't you, Donna? I do. Ooh, I like that. When we can ask the king, now you might ask your hubby for anything, and there's some things he can buy you and some things he can't buy you. Because he's a man. We have limitations on this earth. But with the king, he has no limitations, right? Isn't that wonderful to get where you can ask the king for things? Ooh. In other words, wow. You can ask the king for things and you might go to church and come home and you had a sale on your website or something and you made $500 or $400 while you've gone to church. Oh, would that be wonderful? Oh, all you got to do is ask God, right? And ask Him in faith. And you walk into God kind of love. And He says, sure, son, no problem. I'll take care of you. A few dollars is no problem. But you got to be walking into God kind of love. Now, don't get off into fear. Don't get off into chastising one another, giving each other the hard time. I told you as husband and wife to walk into God kind of love toward each other. Didn't He? Yes, He did. Is it hard Especially for women to walk there whenever, especially when things start happening that they don't like. Is it really easy for them to really get a hold of their husband, start condemning him and start bringing him down? Sure. It's real easy. Especially if things start not going just right. But remember, we're in this battle together. We're not supposed to be against each other. But it's not only for the husband and the wife. We're supposed to be in this battle together in the church. You know, we're not supposed to be against each other. We're supposed to all be Christians. We're supposed to walk in this God kind of love. We're supposed to help each other. That's what we're supposed to be doing. We're supposed to love each other. Then, well, let's go on down to... Verse 14. Wherefore, he says, awake. I thought when I read that, I thought, you know, that's what some of us need to be slapped about three times so we can wake up out of this deep sleep. Because we're asleep. You know what I see the church as today since I've gotten the revelation I've gotten? I was asleep. We are asleep as a church. We're not reading and studying the Word. We are asleep. So he's saying, Awake, you that sleepers, and arise from the dead. And Christ shall give you light. How are you going to get this kind of light? Doing exactly what we're doing tonight. Doing what I've been doing the last few days. Reading and studying about this God kind of love. Lord, 
what do I need to do? And he just takes me place after place after place. And I look at all this stuff and I say, God, we're not walking there. He said, I know. That's why I want you to teach it. We're not walking there. But he said, it's time my church walks where I told them to walk. So I can answer their prayers. Do you think God wants to answer your prayer? Absolutely. But he can't when we don't do it his way. He has limited himself by his word. And his word tells us exactly what to do. Then he says, verse 15, See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise. Redeeming the time, because the days are evil. Now I'm telling you, if I ever saw anything that was true, that's it today. I mean, there's evil everywhere you look. You don't have to look very far. Wherefore, be you not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is, and be not drunk with wine, wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. I mean, if you don't ask God to fill you with the Holy Spirit every day, you need to. When you wake up in the morning, you ought to say, Lord, fill me with a mighty fire of the Holy Ghost today and use me for your glory. And then walk in and look in that bathroom mirror and say, wow, God, look at that thing in the mirror. He's full or she's full of the Holy Spirit and fire. Wow, Lord, let's go get them today. I may not be much or nothing on my own, but with you and me, there ain't nothing impossible with you and me today. Now then, I yield myself to you. Let's go get them, Lord. Now, Lord, use me today for your glory. Let me lead somebody to Christ today. Let me lay hands on some sick soul. Let me see you do a miracle of healing or restoration. Let me come to a, if I come by a scene where there's been a car wreck, prick my spirit to pray for a supernatural healing for those people. Instead of saying, oh, what a terrible wreck. Pray. When you pray, what can God do after you prayed? He can answer your prayer. But if you don't pray, nothing's going to happen. Now, of course, lots of people don't pray in church because they don't walk in love. They ain't never seen a prayer answered in the first place, so why pray? That was me for lots of years of my life. I didn't work. I didn't, I didn't pray for nobody. I mean, a few times I did pray, nothing ever happened. Why not? Well, I didn't know what faith was, wasn't walking to God kind of love. They had every kind of problem in the world. So nothing happened. Woo, when you learn how to walk into God kind of love, just a little bit. When you learn what faith is, just a little bit. When you learn how to pray in faith, wow! That's when you start praying for people and you expect it to happen. That's when I love when I see God do those kind of miracles. Like I said, Cheryl's gotten spoiled. You know, she's spoiled rotten. (laughs) And she loves it, right, honey? The king spoils you rotten. I mean, I got a problem, whatever it is. Honey, you pray for me. I want this day, girl, right now. Now, every woman should have a husband that's walking in the God kind of love. And if you have one, and then whenever you need something, and he's walking in God kind of love, you can come knowing the two of you in agreement. God's going to do it for you. Wow, he's done so many things. For us and prayers to each other, and especially for Cheryl, well, she had a lot more needs. I'd learned how to walk in faith a lot longer back than she has. So when the Lord brought her to me, she was a basket case. 
I mean, she had lots of little things wrong with her. Yeah, she had lots of little things wrong. Surely, I mean, really, we prayed starting from the time the Lord brought us together. I have prayed over her many times, and God done many wonderful things in her body. And she's grateful. I mean, he's healed her. He's done so many awesome things. And I love it, being able to pray those prayers and see God instantly do these things for my wife. And she loves it, too. And so that's why every one of you that are husbands and wives, you need to learn to walk in this God kind of love. A man to a woman. So that you will see God do these kind of things. Then he says... In verse uh, 20, let's go to verse 20. Well, verse 19, we'll read this. Speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. That is a good verse. We need to do that. We need to sing to the Lord and praise Him and worship Him. And then verse 20 says, giving thanks always for all things unto God. Constantly be thanking Him. Today, nobody knows but me and God. And today when I was down on my knees out there welding, cutting, all the things I was doing, great big giant beam. Uh, I really think they didn't weigh but a little less than 300 pounds, but Dave said they're a little over 800 pounds, so I think he was stretching it just a little. But anyway, <laughs> that's what he called those beams. When we'd throw one of those beams up on our shoulders, all he and I could do to carry this thing, I'd start up a ladder and one step at a time, and I was praising the Lord and thanking Him for the strength that I could do this. Thanking him and worshiping him. Be down on my knees cutting or welding a plate on or something. I said, Lord, thank you that I have the ability and the knowledge to do this. I'm so grateful that you're my king. See, that's what he wants you to do. He didn't want you to work all day long and then at the end of the day come in and say, Oh, by the way, God, I'm going to bed. Thank you for the day. That's not what he wants. He wants you to praise him and worship him and have this intimate relationship with him all day long. That's what he wants. And then he says here, giving thanks always for all things unto God and the Father in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And then all of us submitting ourselves one to another in the fear of God. Submitting ourselves one to another. And then he steps into another world. Submitting ourselves. Talking about the church as a rule. Then he gets a little bit more final here or a little bit more narrow pointed here he says now then wives submit yourselves under your own husbands as unto the Lord now you wives some of you have real problems submitting to your husband but when you if you're rebellious and you're not a woman that will submit to your husband and walk in the God kind of love I can assure you you will never walk in the love relationship with God or your husband that you want. It can't be done until you do it God's way. When you submit to your husband. In fact, there was a woman the other night that came to me and she was telling me. In fact, she drove Oklahoma City to meet with me. And she was telling me, uh, when we got started talking, I said, have you been married before? And she said, yes, but we're not going there. I said, Okay. And she said, I'm not even going to talk about those. She said, I've listened enough of your tapes to know what you think about that. And I know you're right on. And I know you teach exactly God's Word. But she said, I'm going to tell you the reason I'm not married today is because I didn't do what God says. She said, when I was a young woman, she said, I can think of the times I went out 
and I would wear my short shorts and my high heels and my tank top. And she said, I was Miss Hotshot, and I knew I was Miss Hotshot. And she said, I never submitted to my husband's never in anything. And I said, that's why you're not married today. She said, I know that now. She said, there ain't no man. It'll make me how beautiful I was. And she said, there was one time I was the most beautiful woman in Oklahoma City. And she said, and I knew it. But she said, I couldn't find a man that could stay with me because I would not do what God said. I would not submit to that man. And it didn't matter how beautiful I was. Those men would not live with me. A man will only... He's a, he's a man. God made him a man. And if a woman will not submit to him, then I don't care how pretty you are. You can't live with him. He will not love you if you don't submit to him. Isn't that amazing? God says... First of all, we're supposed to submit ourselves one to another, just as Christians. And then he says, bring it down to a little finer point, wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands, as unto the Lord. You're supposed to be able to trust your husband like that. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, and he is the Savior of the body. Therefore, as the church is subject unto Christ, so let the wife be to their own husbands in a few things. Oh, I didn't read that right either, did I, Brother David? Oh, what did you say, Donna? Everything. Oh, well, it must not mean that, because most women don't do that, right? Oh, <laughs> oh my goodness gracious, alive. Oh! I mean, now then, you know, then he goes a little bit further. Now then he's through talking about the girls. Now then he's going to lay it on us. Amen. That's the one praise the Lord. Jesus, praise God. I mean, I knew every woman wanted to say that, ma'am. Every woman in here wanted to say that. Praise God that he just don't... <laughs> So stand up, raising your hand. Praise God. Now then he's going to bring it down to us guys. Husbands, love your wives. And then he did. I mean, okay, so, okay, okay. So i got to love my wife. Oh, no, 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 no. You're not going to get off that easy guy. Even as Christ loved the church. And gave himself for her. Oh, my goodness. Oh, well, my wife, she come in today and she spent too much money. You know, so I said, you, where you been, woman? Well, I went shopping today. What'd you do? Well, I really saved you some real good money because I went and found some really nice sales. I saved you $200. That's not what I want to hear. What did you cost me today, woman? <laughs> Oh, but honey, I saved you $200. That's not what I'm interested in. What did you cost me? Well, I only spent 600 What? You spent $600 today? And there's a war. Doesn't that really sound like the man's really loving his wife? I mean, maybe the woman asked this morning. She said, honey, I need to go shopping today and buy some things. He said, okay. He didn't go into detail. And she didn't go into detail because she didn't want to tell him. Now, then if she'd have went into detail and said, well, he said, what do you want to buy? Well, I need to buy me some new clothes. You know, I'm really, really, you know, 
going down and exercising and I'm eating right and I'm really shaping up and all my stuff's too little. I really want to make myself beautiful for you. And so I've done that, you know, and now that I got to have some new clothes. And he looks at him and says, ooh, you are looking really good. Okay, if you want to buy a few things. Oh, by the way, how many are you going to buy? Well, I'm, I'm going to go down to whatever, uh, and they got some really good sales on today. How much money do you think you might spend? Well, I don't know how much can I spend. Well, he said, hmm, looking at you, 500 bucks. So she said, okay, now she's got a limit. So she goes in, she has all the sales and everything, and she submitted to her husband. She spends $499.99. Come in and said, don't I look beautiful? What'd you cost me? You said I could spend 500 right? I stayed under 500 Oh, okay, okay, no problem. Now see, that's what it should have been done, right? If it had been done like that, then there wouldn't have been a war in the house. You know, but you know, we, we don't, husbands love your wives. I love her, oh, even when she doesn't do it exactly right every time, and or some of you might mess up once in a while, does that give the husband the right to read you the right act? You don't go out and buy them kind of clothes one If you do that, I'm going to kick you out of the house. I'm going to divorce you and get another one. Ooh, you really loved your wife, didn't you? You threatened her. Does that sound like Jesus? Who's that sound like? Oh, here's a girl back here that she knows who that sounds like. That sounds like our old buddy the devil, doesn't it? Why do we do that then in the church? Why do men and women in the church do these kind of things? Why do we not walk in the God kind of love? I mean, after all, when a man and a woman get married, how many do they become? One. What do we not understand about that? You know, here's what we think about when we get married. Or, or at least lots of people do. Well, I'm going to marry her. I think she's a nice looking woman. I'm going to marry her. But if it don't work, no problem. I just divorce her. I hear people in a church talking like that. If it don't work, no problem. We'll just go our own ways. Let me tell you what. When you get married... I tell people when they get married the first time, they better make sure they're doing the right thing. Because when you get married, you made a covenant with God, and he's going to hold you accountable for that for the rest of your life. He said, one man, one woman, till death do you part. Didn't he? Did you know when Cheryl and I was up in New York last year, we was at a place and at break that night. There was an attorney that came to us, and, he, and I was talking about some of these things, and he said, Thurman, I want to share an experience I had. He said, I used to be a divorce attorney. And he said, I'd done divorces, many of them. He said, one day I was having a trouble with a couple that were Christians, and they were crossways with each other, and they wanted a divorce, and they had lots of problems. And so I told him, I said, you know, it's obvious I can't solve this problem, so just a minute... Let me go in my office and I'm going to pray and ask God how I need to deal with this situation. He said, I went in my office, sat down, and I said, Lord, how do I deal with this situation? And he said, God spoke to me as fervently and he said, no divorce. He said, it so changed my life. He said, it rocked everything I believed. 
I heard the king when I asked him, how should I deal with this divorce? And he spoke to me and said, no divorce. It was those two children, or both my children, that woman and that man, or mine, and you were to go in there and tell them, there is to be, I wrote in my word, no divorce. And when I told him, he said, I can't do it for you. I went in there and asked God what to do, and he told me, no divorce. He said, you two need to get right with each other, repent, get right with God, and you need to realize you're married forever in God's sight. No divorce. And he said, that saved that marriage. But he said, when I left her that day, I told the Lord, Lord, I'm getting out of this business. If you hate divorces that bad, then I ain't going to be a part of this no more. He said, I quit becoming. I quit being a divorce attorney and went into a different line of work. You know, all you need, all he said I had to have was one little statement from God. But let me tell you, it was written in the book. It had been written in the book for 2,000 years. God hates divorce. So since he hates divorce, why do so many people get them? Because they don't know the Word. That's why. If people would realize what the Word says, when a man and a woman gets married, are you ever supposed to be able to divorce? No. Never. You're supposed to walk in a God kind of love with each other. This is God's plan. Especially if you're a Christian woman and your husband is a Christian man, the two of you, this should never be. I mean, now then, is there a Christian man and woman that's never going to have a controversy over something? Probably not. The quicker the woman learns to submit and the quicker the man learns to love the woman like Christ loved the church, the quicker all the problems go away in the home. You know that? There won't be any. But unfortunately, we're human beings and once in a while, something will happen. You know, I mean, when we're trying to do everything right, just like today. You know, whenever I was trying, Cheryl come out there at 415 said, well, you got to quit at 415. Well, I tried to quit at 415, but I had to work five more minutes. I just couldn't quit right there. Now, I know she didn't understand that. She thought when she ran out the door at 415, honey, it's 415, you got to go to bath. I just dropped everything and fell off the ladder and run to the house. But it can't work. Don't work like that in construction. You just can't do that. But I did get it done in five minutes. But I was so dirty and so hot that when I got in that good, cool shower, I mean, I tried to get soap as quick as I could and get out of there and dry it off, shave as quick as I could. But still, it was ten minutes past when I got over there. It took me twenty minutes to run to the house, shave, shower, do everything I had to do, dress, and get back over there. It took me twenty minutes. But that was ten minutes longer than it should have took. At least the way she looked at it. And so she said, I am this close to taking you to the throat of grace. <laughs> oh, yeah, it was. It was really important. And then we couldn't. We tried to call the place of business where we were going to because it's something very important. And so anyway, when we called, couldn't get no answer. Finally, she called again. And then finally, the guy called. When she, whoever she called that last time, the guy said, well, we're sorry, but the guy was not there today, so that place was closed, and he'll be open tomorrow, so you can come in tomorrow. So she came in and said, you're off the hook. <laughs> Raise the king. I'm off the hook. You see how easy it is? You know, it, I mean, it's that, see, when we don't meet our loved one's expectations, it's easy to step out of that really God kind of love. I mean, we both do it. She does it, and I do it. 
But we're trying to get closer to that love walk and walk in that God kind of love. So, since we're two human beings and we have these little tiny skirmishes, I know y'all are human beings and I know y'all have those kind of little skirmishes because if I were to ask you to hold up your hand, who in here has never had a skirmish with your mate? If you held up your hand, I'd have to tell you you're lying. I know everybody's had them skirmishes. Now, we shouldn't have very many of them as Christians. We should get to the point where we don't have them. If we leave, if we do what God says here, then he says here, after he says, husbands, love your wives. I really need to dwell on that. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself for the church. Now, you need to really think about that kind of love. Are you as a husband willing to give your life for your wife? If you're not, you're not loving her like Christ loved the church. I mean, think about that. If you knew that your mate had something happened to her, whatever, and she was in a place, and you knew if you could reach out there and get her, and you could pull her back up to here where she could get a hold of you in safety, and the minute you took her weight off of you, what you was in was going to fall, and you was going to fall to your death. How many of you, if you knew that, would be willing to save your wife? That's really something to think about, isn't it? And there's some of you in here where that would do that, that would pay that price. And there's others in here that would not even dream of going there. But if you're a Christian, you're not meeting the requirements of God. He said, husbands, love your wives, even be willing to give your life for your mate. So, if you're supposed to love her to the point you give your life for, if she does go out and buy something, like I said a while ago, and she comes in and she says something like that, or she wants to do something, whatever, and you read her the riot act, you really loved her, didn't you? No, you didn't love her. You don't know what love is. You need to spend some time with God and learn what the God kind of love is. And if you'll start loving your wife like Christ loved the church and doing what He says, then He'll start answering your prayer. And when you pray for your mate, wow, wonderful things happen. Now, I don't know about you, but I would be willing to ask this question. How many of you, every time you come to God and ask Him for something, like to see Him answer your prayer? Well, I would. I do. I want to see him answer my prayer every time. And that's what's available if we walk in this God kind of love. Then he says that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by the word, that he might present it to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it should be holy and without blemish. So ought men to love their wives as their own bodies. I mean, he didn't say much about the women, did he? He just said women submit. But he's really laying it on us guys. I mean, all he said, women submit. But husbands, he's going into detail. wonder why he does that to the men. He knows how hard-headed we are as guys. He knows that you women, he can tell you all one simple little thing. Y'all got it. But he really has to beat up on us. Because we're just a bunch of hard-headed guys. 
Then he says, So ought the men to love their wives as their own bodies. He that loveth his wife loves himself. So if you don't love your wife, well, guess what? You don't love yourself. Isn't that something? If you really love your wife, then that's a true reflection that you really think a lot of yourself. You love yourself. Because he says, For no man ever yet hated his own flesh, but he says, Nourished it and cherished it, even as the Lord does the church. Now let me tell you, you take some guy that he's a slob, he don't never comb his hair, he don't ever brush his teeth, he don't never get his hair cut, you know, he don't never, I mean, I'm going to tell you the closest thing to a slob I've ever seen in my life, when I was flying in New York, a friend of mine bought a house in upstate New York, and I helped him clean that thing out, and the old man that died in that house, we hauled seven Pick big pickup loads with sideboards of cans and junk out of the inside of that house. When that guy would open a can of something to eat it, he'd just throw it over his shoulder. You could not walk through that house. There was a trail through that house. He was a there wasn't nothing clean in that house. There wasn't no clothes clean. There wasn't no bed clothes clean. It, 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 it was awful what that place looked like. That guy didn't know what love was. He totally was controlled by the devil. Now, I don't know about you, but I can't live in that. I like a clean house. I like a clean house. I mean, just like the other night. Yesha and Dave, they live out there in the ministry center, and they've got a nice kitchen in there, and she cooks stuff. And she'd evidently uh, noticed that the oven was not really clean, had some grease in the bottom of it. So a few days later, she says, you know, did, did you clean the oven? I said, sure. She said, how did you clean it? I said, well, I mean, I opened the door in the morning to do something, cook some toast or whatever, and I saw all that grease, and I saw, knew somebody had, I mean, we got three or four or five different people that cook in the ministry center. Lots of people come through there. And so I said, I didn't know who did it. It didn't make no difference to me, but I like a clean stove. So I spent about an hour scrubbing, taking the pans all out, scrubbing the broiler until I got it spotless. She said, man, it was spotless. I said, well, when I clean something, that's the way I do it. I don't like a nasty oven. I won't put my toast in it. I want that baby shining. You know, I remember a story about a man and a woman who got married one time. And he was a Marine sergeant. And this woman married this Marine sergeant. She said, we went on our honeymoon, and then we come home. And when we got home, he went in. He got up that morning, 5 o'clock. I mean, you know, wow, you know, man, he's up. He's singing. He's in there. And he goes in, showers and everything. And, and when I go in the bathroom, I look at this bathroom. I thought, what happened here? said, the shower was wiped down. The floor was spotless. The countertop didn't have a single thing sitting on it. There wasn't a drop of water nowhere. And it was spotless. I said, what happened in here? He said, well, this is where I live. She said, wow, have you got a rude awakening? <laughs> she said, this is not the way I live. <laughs> he said, what do you mean? She said, well, I don't clean up quite this good. And he said, after she, she said, when I got through my shower and everything, I tried to put most things away, and I left a few spots of water here, and I didn't wipe the shower down and I, I didn't put the towel up and everything. He said, he walked in. He says, good grief. This would never pass inspection. <laughs> she said, did we have a real problem trying to learn to live together that first year? 
Some of y'all know what I'm talking about, don't you? Some of you women are not that clean. But most guys ain't that clean either, I'll tell you for sure. But some guys in the military which have been driven like that by TIs, and they demand that military men stay that clean. And so, I mean, I can only, I can only the first time uh, that I went in the Air Force, and whenever the footlocker there, and I knew they told us what they expected, I cleaned everything. I rolled every sock. I polished every shoe. I had everything in perfect order. Some of you may have done the same thing. And that T.I. walked in, and I had my lid open perfect. Everything was perfect. It couldn't have been no more perfect. And he walked up and looked down in there, and he kicked that thing plumb upside down. He said, Scrivener, do it over, and this time do it right. It looks awful. I was just standing there, yes, sir. And I looked at him, and I said, he said, get down and give me 10 push-ups. I said, but sir. He said, get down and give me 20 push-ups. Boy, you learn real quick. <laughs> Some of you guys, anybody in the military ever saw those kind of things? Did this? I'm telling you, it's awful. What, these guys, what are these guys doing? They're training you to be disciplined. They're training you to control your tongue. And when we was out there on those fields, and the guy says, hit the deck. Everybody hit the deck. Some guy just standing, he said, what? He said, you. You're dead. Get out. What do you mean? You didn't hear what we said when you go to Vietnam or wherever you go. If you do that, you're dead. See, that's what they were training you to be. A disciplined soldier, a disciplined airman, so you could maintain your life. What is God trying to teach us to do in this word? To maintain a life, a long, healthy life. And he's teaching us just like those TIs in the military were teaching us. If God says do this, he says, wives, submit to your husbands. What does he mean? Wives, submit to your husbands. And then if he, that's all he says to the women. And then he gives a detailed description of what husbands are supposed to do to love their wives. I mean, like Christ loves the church. Gave himself for her. And then goes on down. All this stuff. And he even tells you then, so ought men to love their wives as their own bodies, because he that loves his wife loves himself. Now then, let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 7. 1 Corinthians chapter 7. Chapter 7, 1 Corinthians. Now concerning the things whereof you wrote unto me, it is good for a man not to touch a woman... Or it is good for a man not to live in marriage with a woman. Hmm. Now, some women don't like that. But Paul is telling you the truth. He says it is good for a man not to live in marriage with a woman. But then he goes on. He doesn't stop there. Nevertheless, to avoid fornication. Let every man have his own wife, and let every woman have her own husband. Then he goes on and says, Let the husband render unto the wife due benevolence, and likewise also the wife unto the husband. The wife has not power of her own body, but the husband, and likewise also the husband has not power of his own body, but the wife. Now then, what's he talking about here? He's talking about sex. That's what he's talking about. One time you'll get a man... That will be what you might say overly sexed. And his wife thinks, goodness, you know, this guy, he, he's oversexed. 
But if you're his wife, you're to submit to him. And you're to love him. You're to enjoy the relationship with your husband. And what if you get a man that's not, he's not overly sexed. Who knows what happened to him in his life when he doesn't, he never, who knows what might have happened to him, how he might have been abused, and he never learned how to enjoy a sexual relationship. And yet this woman he marries, man, that's what she marries him for. She wants to have a relationship. And she gets married and he doesn't approach her. You know whose job it is to approach? It's not supposed to be the woman's. It's supposed to be the man. Now, let me tell some of you all something, all of you something in here. I've had many people ask me to teach a series like this, and I've finally decided to do it. For a year, I've had people that have listened to things, that have talked about these things, and the intimacy between a man and a woman is one of the greatest things that's missing in the church. Number one, a man and a woman, when they get married, they don't pray over their relationship before they go to bed. I have shared this with many people, and I have never yet had a couple say they pray over their relationship before they get in bed with each other. Now, there may be some of them out there that do it. But if you do not, you're missing a blessing. Does God, who was it that made sex? God. That was God. He's the one who made it. And did he say a man and a woman are get married and then they are to know each other? That's what he said. And most people don't even know this, but when God made a man and a woman, and of course I didn't know this for a lot of years of my married life myself, when God made a man and a woman, he made a woman so she could only conceive over a very narrow period of time. The average woman, that cycle is as short, some women as narrow as 12 hours to maybe a width of three to five days. The rest of the time, you couldn't get pregnant if you wanted to. But a lot of women never know that. And so they never enjoy their relationship with their husband because they're afraid every time they go to bed with him, they're going to get pregnant. But you need to learn something about your body. It's a wonderful thing. God created it. And that little egg only comes down once a month for a woman with a normal cycle every 28 days. And when it comes down... It can be fertilized, but it dies very quickly. If you want to know some details about it, you need to research this out and find out. But I'm telling you, when God made a man and a woman, he made them in a very unique way. He made it where you can reproduce and have children. But he made it also, in fact, God so thought so highly of a sexual relationship between a man and a woman under the old covenant, when a man and woman got married, he gave them a year off to do nothing but just enjoy each other. They were not to work. Just be at home together. What do you think God thought about it? He must really thought it was something to give you a year off to stay at home and enjoy each other. Isn't it wonderful what God did? And some people think it's dirty. And you may have been raised up in a home where your mother or your father might have told you, now this sexual stuff, this is dirty stuff. Don't you dare get involved with it. And they might have been doing it to keep you from being involved in a relationship out of marriage. And some of them never told you the difference. And so you grew up thinking, this is bad. So even when you get married, you feel like you're unclean. When you had a relationship with your mate, you think, oh my goodness, I've done something terrible. No, this is good. God made it. 
He told you to enjoy it. Now then, here's something else that men, lots of men, never understand. Some men, like this woman we ministered to six, several months ago, her husband never made her feel like a woman. <clears throat> he never walked in. She had the kitchen sink, working, washing dishes. He wouldn't walk up and put his hands on her hips, pulling himself up to her, put his hands around her stomach, and tell her, Wow, are you beautiful today. Kiss her on the neck. Wow, you sure are beautiful. You know that? Wow. Take his hands and say, turn around here, woman. Let me hold you in my arms for a minute. If you don't do that to your wife, you're never going to enjoy a wonderful relationship in bed. But if you really love her, and you really show her all during the day, and you tell her how much you love her, and you touch her, put your hands on her, she's your mate. What did he say? Whose body, who does her body belong to? You. Who does your body belong to? Her. She walks up and wants to put her hands on you. You let her. If you're at home in the privacy owner, you're driving down the road in your car, you know, she wants to reach over and put her arms on your arm, on your neck, on your chest, or whatever she wants to do. It's her body. It's her body. When a man and a woman start believing what's written in this book and start doing it God's way and you start loving that woman and you're nice to her, you sit down to have dinner with her and you tell her when you sit down to have dinner, say, Whoa, honey, this is a beautiful dinner. Ooh, you do such, you're so good. You know, you really do such a nice job. Ooh, you look so pretty today. I really like that outfit you got on today. Then look at her and say, Whoa, your eyes. Have I told you today how beautiful your eyes are? Does women like that? Mm-hmm. Oh, they do. <laughs> well, if women like it, then why don't guys tell them that? I'm talking about your husband, of course. If you're your husband, if you and your husband, if your husband will love his wife like that, then he needs to approach his wife with that relationship in prayer. And when you pray and ask God to do something great, He will. He will give you a fulfilling experience that you have never experienced in your life. And both of you will be satisfied in your relationship. If you don't pray over your relationship, shame on you. Shame on you. You need to really learn to think supernatural. I'm serious. What does he say there? Let the husband render unto the wife due benevolence, and likewise also the wife unto the husband. A nice way of saying, have sex one with the other. That's what that's saying. And then he says, the wife has not power of her own body, but the husband. And likewise also the husband has not power of his own body, but the wife. Defraud or deprive Ye not one the other, except it be with consent for a time that you may give yourself to fasting and prayer. And then come together again that Satan tempt you not for your lack of control. So when you go on a fast, if you go on a fast, a God kind of fast, you and your wife are not to have any sexual relationship during your fast. You're to pray. You're to see God. 
And then after the fast is over, then he says you're to come back together again because the devil knows your weakness. Now then, how many men or women have we dealt with just in the 17 months that Cheryl and I have been married? Of course, I've dealt with a lot of people before. I've been dealing with people and especially women in the workforce for years. But we've dealt with many that the wife is unhappy because her husband does not come home to her and do these things to her, doesn't tell her she's beautiful, doesn't want to have a relationship with her maybe once a week or once every two or three weeks or once a month. And most women, that's not sufficient. And if you're a man and that's normal once a month, let me tell you, you got something wrong. That's not normal. It may be normal for you. And if it's normal for you and your wife, then there's no problem. If she's happy with that and you're happy with that, then that's okay. But if your wife is not happy with that and she has to approach you for a sexual relationship and you're the man, then you need to realize that she loves to have a relationship with you, her husband, and you need to be the one that advances toward her as the man of the family. The man's supposed to be the motivator. He's supposed to be the initiator. If you know that your wife likes to have sex once a week or once a night, whatever it is, then you should be the one to make that advance and start the process when you come home one evening telling her how beautiful she is, how sweet she is, how much you love her, and all those kind of things. You should do that every day anyway. You should tell your mate those kind of things regularly. And that's what will make the bedroom very exciting. Now, too many men don't do that, and they just come get in bed and think this is going to be exciting and it ain't exciting at all because they didn't do it God's way I'm going to tell you something that most of you should know but if you don't a woman warms up like an iron to a sexual relationship a man warms up like a shotgun bam you pull the trigger bam he's I mean he's ready to go and this is the way it is God made a man and a woman different. So when a man walks in, sees his wife taking a shower, and he runs over and grabs her and wants to have sex with her, right there, she ain't ready. She ain't ready. You may be, but she's not. You may think you enjoy that, but you didn't. She certainly didn't. You need to get her ready. You need to warm her up. If you walk her in and she's taking a shower, you walk in and maybe hold her, caress her, tell her how beautiful she is, but then go do something else. Or if you're going to do something, you really need to really get her in a place of warmth where she's ready to have sex with you. When she is, she'll be ready. She'll tell you. This is what the Scripture is saying right here. This is not something I'm telling you. This is right out of God's Word. And it's unfortunate too many people in the church don't believe it and won't read it. And so that's why we got so many divorces in the church. Because a man and a woman's not willing to do what God says. And lots of women won't never touch their husband. They want to, but they won't because they're afraid to. Because he's the man. They don't realize his body's theirs. You know? What does scripture say? Does scripture say his body's hers? Does scripture say her body's his? Yes. You two if you need to work together. And then he says, but I speak this by permission 
and not of commandment. For I would that all men were even as I myself, but every man hath his proper gift of God, one after this manner and another after that. And I say therefore to the unmarried and the widows, it is good for them if they abide even as I. But if they cannot contain themselves, then marry, for it is better to marry than to burn with lust. Do you know, according to the scriptures, you look at another human being, man or woman, to lust in your heart for them sexually, you're guilty of committing adultery. You know that? That's what the scripture says. That's why I teach men, men, you look at the women in their eyes only. You never look at a woman except your wife anywhere except in her eyes. But your wife, when she comes in, she loves for you to look at her from the top to the bottom. She loves for you to tell her how beautiful she is. See, women love that. You want to have a great relationship with your mate? Do it God's way. Really works good. Now then, have anything I've taught you tonight didn't come out of the Word? Did everything I teach you not in the Word? Then why don't we do it God's way? Why don't we walk in this God kind of love? Why don't we walk love to our brethren? Why don't we walk love to our mates? Why don't we be loving and kind and gentle to our mates? Because don't, I mean, when it comes to your mate not doing something you like, is there ever an option with God that you can say, I want to separate from you or I'm going to have a divorce? Absolutely not. When you do that, I guarantee you, you're totally against God and He's not going to answer your prayer. And that's why so many people don't get their prayers answered today. What did He tell the husbands to do to their wives? And love them how? As Christ loved the church and be willing to give their life for their mate? Is that what the king said? Guess who the king's going to hold accountable for these statements? You and me. Us men and us women. He's going to hold you accountable for walking holy and pure and clean before him and your mate. Now, if you're a man and you want to get in trouble with your mate, all you got to do is have a roving eye, be driving down the road, and start looking at or in church or anywhere else. When you start looking at women, if you look at women anywhere besides in their eyes, your mate's going to be watching you, and she's going to pick up on this real quick. And when she sees you looking at other women, and you're looking at them in places besides their eyes, if you always look at them in their eyes, no problem. She knows she's comfortable. She knows what you're thoughts are, but if you start seeing women come in that door and you start dwelling on those women and their body parts, your wife's going to start feeling very uncomfortable with you and she's not going to submit to you easily. And I'm going to tell you, your bedroom scenes ain't going to be no fun. You've got to make your honey bunny your one and only honey bunny. You've got to love her and you've got to have eyes for her. And no other human being. Is that what God says? That's what He says. Well, the Lord laid this on my heart the last year. I've been, I mean, I've had people that tell me you need to preach this, and of course, I didn't get quite as intimate as I wanted to a couple places here because of you know why. But, you know, 
I went just about as far as I could, but y'all are all adults, and I know it's not a problem with y'all. But some of you need to hear it just as it's written. And then God told you to go from here today, and husbands, love your wives, and wives, submit to your husbands, and love them. And one of the things I might say before I close, several times I've seen marriages virtually destroyed because every time the man doesn't do something exactly like the woman wants, then she withholds herself from him. And he don't like that. And, of course, that causes divorces. That's totally being rebellious to God. When a woman does that, and, of course, if a man doesn't, the wife doesn't do what he wants and he withholds himself from her, that's being rebellious to God also. So you want your prayers answered? You better do it his way. And it makes life a whole lot more fun. You know, a whole lot more fun. Life is fun when you do it God's way. And he will bless you and he will bless your socks off. He will bless your relationship with your mate beyond your wildest dreams if you're walking a God kind of love and you pray over it and ask him to bless what you're going to do before you crawl in bed with your wife. Pray with her. Put your arms around her and say, Lord, bless us tonight. Bless this. I mean, let this be the most awesome experience we've ever experienced. And you'll be amazed at what he'll do. He's an awesome God. But some people say, well, I would never ask God something like that. Let me tell you, he's there. He's watching you every night when you do it anyway. He knows what's going on. It ain't like he's in a corner somewhere. He knows what's going on. You ain't going to go into the bedroom, close the door, and leave God outside. He's going to be right in there. He knows what's going on anyway. So you might as well ask him to bless it, right? And when you do, he does. And it's wonderful. But you also got to remember, if you go out there and you're going to commit some kind of fornication, he's in there too when you do it. And so he knows what you've done. So don't do that. If you've ever done that, repent. Oh, God, Lord, I'm sorry I messed up. And he will forgive you. But then he tells you, go and sin no more. Don't go do it again now. He will forgive you. And that's the most wonderful thing about God. If he didn't forgive sin, this old boy right here had been dead a long time ago. Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you for this evening. I thank you for this word that you've given us from your word. You tell us exactly how we're supposed to love each other. You tell us how we're supposed to love our mates. You tell us everything we're supposed to do. You didn't leave anything out. So, Lord, help us that we will walk in this kind of love. We'll walk in the God kind of love. And, Lord, if we're not walking there, then help us to repent and begin to love our mates. Lord, we're, ma- we're married to them forever. It's not a trial run. It's forever. You said it. And so, Lord, thank you for giving us your word. And thank you, Lord, that as we walk in the God kind of love, thank you that we can come and ask you for anything. And thank you, Lord, that you've given us as men, the priest over the home, you've given us the, the ability as our wives submit in a love relationship to us as we walk in the God kind of love to you and to our mates, that we literally, you said that we can come with our wife and agree, and two of us on earth in agreement together, you will answer and say yes to any prayer we ask. And so, Lord, we thank you for all these wonderful promises, which are ours. And we give you all the praise and the glory and the honor for this day. In Jesus' name, amen.